I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Athletes and Activism. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Professional sports hold a special place in our American culture. Pro athletes are looked up to as superheroes by kids and role models by teens and adults. They're real life motivation for millions. And never before have so many of our biggest sports stars stood up for social justice and donated their time and money to worthy causes. But it hasn't always been easy and it hasn't always been popular. Joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers is Sean Prez. He's a motivational speaker and marketing expert. Prez, great to have you with us. Lisa, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Carl Banks. He's a former NFL star, two-time Super Bowl champion, and the president and founder of the multi-billion dollar international company, G3 Sports. Carl, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Joel Payne. He's the host of the podcast, Here Comes the Pain, and also a public relations expert. Joel, great to have you with us. Thanks so much, Lisa. Carl, let me start with you on this. As you look around at what's happening in sports right now, so much is going on in our culture, so much is going on in sports. What big trends do you see happening? Well, I see, you know, the the athlete becoming more emboldened, more confident in their activism. And, you know, I can go back to the 80s when I played, 80s and 90s, but even before that, you know, Muhammad Ali, um, Jim Brown, and many, many more who were frowned upon. But I think the veil has been ripped off, uh, unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunate death of George Floyd. And it made everyone examine how they were looking at race and how it impacted their industries. And I think everyone now is saying, okay, I got to see what more I can do about this. And I need to hear these voices. And, you know, Colin Kaepernick a year ago was the most vilified uh, sports figure in the world. And now you have the commissioner of the NFL saying, hey, I was wrong. We should have listened. Because now the same things that he was saying that were going on it came to light. And it's gotten that much attention. Joel Payne, uh, Carl brings up, Carl brings up Colin Kaepernick. And he, there was a time when athletes, it seemed were, you know, play the game. If you want to do it like a local charity or foundation or something on that level, but really stay away from politics and these social justice issues. Where do you think we're at now with that? Well, I think the permission slip has been taken away from all of us. Um, I think, you know, we talk about Colin Kaepernick, who kind of handed the permission slip back. But even if you kind of go back to the days when Carl played, there were folks like Michael Jordan, right, who famously, you know, shied away from being socially engaged because he didn't want to offend or ostracize part of his fan base. And I think that could not happen today. You look at his counterpart today would be LeBron James, who's very involved in his community. You look at the school that he built. You look at how active he's been um, on the police brutality issues. And so I think we're in a society now where you can't take a hall pass from being engaged and being, um, you know, active. And I think that's the real um, issue that we're presented with today is that you have these athletes that understand that their community expects for them to be present during these discussions. Uh, Prez, when you look at the when you look at the way that the they're handling their the athletes are handling their careers now, what strikes you? I think that they're in touch with what's going on. Um, like Marvin Gaye said fifty years ago, um, 
they are just a reflection of what is happening in the world as a whole. I love the fact that the athletes are standing up. I love the fact that they are feeling um, more of a sense of responsibility, whereas before it was, I have to worry about my public image. I have to worry about my endorsements, keeping my contract, making sure that the owners are happy. I don't know if I'm going to be traded or let go. Now they're just reflecting the world as a whole. And it makes me feel really good that these athletes care about more than just their career and their paycheck. Granted, they worked long and hard to get to where they are. But, you know, with great um, responsibility, how does that saying go? With, with, with uh, great power comes great responsibility. And I think when you have a platform as large as these athletes, as these athletes have, you have a responsibility to reflect the community and give back to it. And now we're living in this age of um, social activism. I love the fact that they're standing up. And that they're doing that. Carl, take us back to when you were winning those Super Bowl rings in the 80s and the, the, um, how the players were looked at, what you were told, was it all about football? How much control was it over your individual image and what you said and what you did off the field? Well, I think there was kind of this uh, partition between the brand and life, the sports brand, your personal brand, and your life that you have committed to. Um, Sean just mentioned that it, it, it's never like these guys weren't committed to their communities. They just weren't, in, in, in my era of playing, you weren't allowed to express your concerns for what's going on. You were made to feel like you're fortunate to have made it out and not having to kind of, hey, look, look what's going on in my community. But now um, all of those things have, have blended because of guys like LeBron James, who has his own media platforms and created opportunities and given other inspired other athletes to, hey, let's create our own voices. And now they're being reckoned with because the brand is who they are and where they came from. Uh, they do have to comport themselves. Obviously, in any professional environment, you have to comport yourself the right way, but you don't have to deviate from, from who you are, what you stand for. And when I played, there was a partition. You know, you were, hey, give us your best. We'll, we'll pay you. But we don't want to have these types of issues seeping into our locker room. We're going to take a short break. I want to talk about the impact of social media on the culture and on sports and the activism. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on athletes and activism. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining me for this conversation is Carl Banks. He's an NFL star, two-time Super Bowl champion, commentator for the New York Giants, and the president and founder of the multinational, multi-billion dollar G3 Sports Corporation. Carl, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Sean Prez. He's a motivational speaker and marketing expert. Prez, great to have you with us. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Also joining us is Joel Payne. He's the host of the podcast, Here Comes the Pain, and a public relations expert. Joel, what about that? Because there's, it, it also seems, too, as a result of everything that's happened this spring, the Black Lives Matter movement, the mainstreaming of that, the, the George Floyd tragic 
uh, tragic murder, is that for a long time, many black Americans were told, don't bring up the fact that you were stopped on the way to the stadium going to practice and ask for your ID because you're a black man driving a nice car. Don't speak up about this. Don't speak up about that because it makes whites uncomfortable. It makes other blacks feel uncomfortable. And you're reminding everybody that you're too different when you really, when you really belong. What effect is that having on how we look at our sports stars? Well, I, I really kind of look at this from a societal perspective. So, you know, what really has happened over the last two, three months is the center has shifted, right? It used to be in America that it was okay to take a position that was, um, you know, kind of a passive, well, that's not affecting me. It's not happening in my backyard. So I can take a pass on this. You, you can't do that anymore. And particularly with white consumers, um, right? The consumers who weren't directly impacted by this police brutality. And so now you've got those white consumers who are impacted. And those are the people who are patronizing these multi-million and multi-billion dollar athletes. And so it matters to them. That's why you see the Washington Redskins changing their name. It's not because George Floyd died. It's because FedEx and Nike and Pepsi uh, Cola decided to pull their funds or threaten to pull their funds from supporting the organization because their white consumer base no longer gave it a blank check. And I think that's what we're noticing here. That's what we're seeing is that the center has moved and it has really tumbled the institutional norms that we've all been used to. Pres, what about that? What, what Joel's saying in terms of these being business moves that are piggybacking on the social justice movement and not because, oh, well, let's change the name because it's the right thing to do, that it's really motivated by business. Well, I believe it is motivated by business, um, whether it is with corporate sponsorship or just being um, in touch with your consumer base. People have been crying out for the Washington Redskins to change their name for years. This is not new. And the owner has for years said, no, I'm not going to do it. But in this moment, this moment that we're living in is historical. And people are finally listening. They're opening their minds to the, to, to the possibility that maybe we are racist. Maybe we're, you know, we're, I, mean, I won't even use that word. Maybe we're biased unconsciously. And this name, it's offensive. So, yes, if corporate brands threaten to pull their sponsorship dollars, it makes people at the top listen. But if people say, I am not going to the stadium anymore, I'm not buying the jerseys, I am not attending games, I will not support you as long as you are tone deaf to what is going on in the world, that affects the bottom line. And that ultimately is going to make any owner wake up and say, look, even if I want to stand on my own laurels, it's my team. I can name it whatever I want to name it. But if the bottom line is impacted, now I have to listen to the fans, my consumers, and the corporate brands who ultimately help to pay the bills. You get all of that. Carl, you're still involved with the Giants as a commentator, yes. as, a, as a game commentator. Have the fans' expectations, I mean, of course, everybody wants a win, everybody wants a championship, mm -hmm. but have the fans' expectations of the athletes today changed? Well, it's changed in, in several regards because they gamble on sports now in this fantasy football. The essence of fandom has pretty much gone. So 
the demands on athletes are so much different. It's not just rooting for the win and the loss. It's rooting for how they bet that particular player to perform. But there are demands, but there, there are still uh, biases in people's opinions of, of what they think their favorite athlete should be. And I think the younger the fan base gets, the more accepting of individuals and not just the guy behind the helmet uh, sports is becoming. And I, and I think that's a beautiful thing because um, everything was in a box. You're an athlete. You play. You perform. We cheer, we cheer for you. We cherish you. But just don't leave that box. Don't have an opinion. And if you do, don't say it too loud. Well, that mold is broken because we got social media and guys are owning their own platforms. We're going to take a short break. I want to talk about the impact of social media on the culture and on sports and the activism. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. What up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Um, Joel, when you look at the athletes today, they have huge followings on social media, most of them. What pressure does that put on them? Well, it puts pressure on them, but it also creates an opportunity. You know, earlier I talked a little bit about the the Michael Jordan piece and how I think Jordan and folks of his era felt pressure to maybe be silent because they didn't want to ostracize or offend folks who they knew would be patronizing their product. I think it kind of works the opposite way now. If you're LeBron James, you know your fan base is counting on you to be engaged. Again, they're not allowing you to uh, step away from the tough issues. In fact, they get disappointed when you don't. Remember, something that LeBron James took a lot of criticism for was when the NBA had the issue with the Chinese government over the free Hong Kong issue. And James famously kind of stepped back from that. And I think what that ended up creating was this idea that, you know, LeBron was going to be active on social issues here in the States, but international issues that might affect his bottom line, he wasn't going to be as active on. And I think that's the it's so it's it's an it's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity for these athletes to demonstrate where they stand. Carl, you know, to that to that point, and what Press said, with power comes responsibility. Uh, having these platforms empowers you, but you still have to be responsible in how you approach the issues that um, you want to discuss. Meaning you've got to be informed. You just can't spout off. And we just had the situation with Deshaun Jackson um, from the Philadelphia Eagles who had some, some, some bad information about the Jewish community in Hitler. And he's paying a heavy price for it. He, he's been able to keep his job. But there, once you leave that information zone in, in the area, if you are passionate about something you feel uh, is necessary to speak about, you've got to be able to do the research so that you can speak competently on it or else you, you talk about cancel culture. It's, it's not being canceled. You're just exposing yourself to the ignorance, to a subject matter that you want to talk about. You've got to be smart about that. That's the responsibility that comes with the platform and the information is there. So um, I love the fact that these guys are active and, 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 and they speak passion to what they believe in. But I, I, I want to encourage these kids, and LeBron is not guilty of this um, because he has a good um, network around him. But a lot of these kids, they, they get emotional and they jump on their, their platforms and they start speaking, but then they start to go into some other areas that they either haven't researched 
or don't have a lot of knowledge about, and that becomes a very treacherous situation for them. No, that's an excellent point. Prez, what, what about the dangers? Because there's things posted on social media. I know I have, I have my team on the radio station side and they'll go look at this. And I'm like going, first of all, you don't know where it came from. You don't know if it's verified. You don't know who the person is. You know, it's like, I'm constantly applying the new standards to some of these things. And these athletes, you know, they're on, on hectic schedules. They're, they're going through these grueling physical workouts and physically demanding jobs. And then also being multimillionaires at a very young age, what's the danger there of, of them having people around them who are just getting in their ear and not really knowing what they're saying? Well, the danger is being misinformed. The danger is jumping into something just because it's the wave, just because everybody else is on it. I'd say to any athlete, just like anybody else in the world, if activism is not your thing, go put your time and effort where you're interested in. Sit quiet here. I think that people respect authenticity. People respect when an athlete opens their mouth about something that they're truly passionate about. And that's why we keep using names like LeBron. Um, my favorite athlete of all time is Muhammad Ali. We haven't spoke about Colin Kaepernick um, in detail yet, but these guys put themselves out there and they're willing to risk it all, but they truly believe in social justice and social activism. So I think the danger always comes with just jumping on the bandwagon for no other reason than this is the it thing to do right now in this moment. If you're not informed and you're not truly passionate about it, I say go, you know, post about whatever music you're into or whatever it is that you're into. Hopefully right. in this moment, you understand that you do have a platform. You do have millions of followers and people who look to you and support you. But if this is not your thing, I say stay on the sidelines. Also, can I just really, really quickly, just kind of jump into, also you talk about their big followings. They are themselves enterprises. You know, we talk about these athletes, name the top 20 athletes, you know, the Kevin Durant, LeBron James, the Colin Kaepernick's. They are enterprises because not only are they worried about themselves, they're worried about their entourage. The, you know, LeBron has a production company. He has a school that's built in his name. Jalen Rose built an academy in Detroit. So if you make a public misstep, it's not just impacting you. It's impacting your entire village. And I think, again, to that point about the opportunity, but also the responsibility, that comes into play here. Um, Carl, what, what about that in, ter in terms of their, their business, you know, their, their businesses too, each athlete? Well, they are. They, they've become their own brands. And the uh, consumer-facing brands have aligned with them more so than these players aligning with these brands now. Uh, brands want to be a part of LeBron's media company. He's produced a lot of great shows, you know. Um, I would say 20 years ago, that would never have happened. He wouldn't have been able to have the power to say, I'm going to own Survivor's Remorse. I'm going to have people pitch to me and I'm going to pr produce these types of shows. So I think it's a beautiful thing. But again, the responsibility that comes with that, he's embraced it. He knows what's important and how his brand has to survive. So he cannot be reckless and emotional and off the cuff with the things that he says because it impacts his brand. And I think that's how every uh, athlete should look at it. And some, unfortunately, 
uh, and it's not necessarily they fought their fault because some of these kids are first generation millionaires, but they've got to surround themselves with the right advice because, you know, you cannot continue to live a life uh, and, and build a brand if it's not um, connected with that life. If you want to do something different, you've got to separate yourself to some of the things that were destructive uh, into, in, 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 into society. Right. And do, Joel, in, ter- in terms of Colin Kaepernick, he sa- sacrificed everything when he first took a knee. And there was a huge divide in communities of color. He was regarded as a hero by the, there were police officers protesting that didn't want to provide security. There were many others that, you know, attacked him. He was ostracized by the NFL and by some, even by some of the other players. And then look at where he is now several years later. He's got his own uh, Disney, Netflix, all these kinds of deals the Nike Nike sponsorship endorsement. What what does that tell you in terms of how our culture has evolved? Well, the the biggest currency right now, and I think Prez mentioned this earlier, is authenticity. Um, it's important for our politicians. It's important for the reality TV stars that we follow. It's important for the athletes that we follow. And it's important for the brands that we support and that we patronize. If you can demonstrate your authenticity that will always carry the day. That's the rising tide that will lift all boats. And what Kaepernick is able to claim, he was not only the first there, but he gave up everything. The same way that Tommy Smith and John Carlos did. The same way that Muhammad Ali did. The Colin Kaepernick really is today's version of those athletes of yesteryear because he sacrificed his career. He sacrificed the best years of his career um, for this cause that he cares about. And he, you, you can't even say he started a trend because Colin was really the only one who was penalized in the way he was. Even Eric Reed, who kneeled with him, was able to continue his career. Colin was the only one who was blackballed from his profession because of the stance that he took. And I'll, I'll add, it's a stance that was completely misunderstood because it was, you know, through the filter of the media, it was told to be about patriotism and the flag. And really it was just about stop killing black people. Right. Exactly. And, and, and that was the point. And, and I think Colin gets points for authenticity there. Yeah. And, and now we've seen people in this, in this last year, kneel, kneeling, taking the knee all over, all over the world, including white and black police officers. Carl, what, what, what was your take? What's your take on the saga of, of Colin Kaepernick and his, his example? Well, I never had a problem with uh, what he was doing because he was, it was a silent protest. Um, the media, as, as Joel said, made it into something else. And then it became, he's not good enough to play. He doesn't deserve to play. But the bottom line is he wanted to bring attention to an issue that was plaguing black and brown communities. And until that veil, that bandaid got ripped off with the joy, the unfortunate death of George Floyd, nobody wanted to acknowledge it. They wanted to dance around it. They wanted to say he was anti-military. They wanted to say he was, you know, disrespecting the league and the flag. And it was just a talking point so people could avoid actually addressing and looking at uh, what is going on. But look at where we are now. We are seeing police reforms as a, as a result of that. 
And that's, that's an important thing. We're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. We're talking about athletes and activism. We'll be right back. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You dig? Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about athletes and activism. Joining me is Carl Banks. He's an NFL star, two-time Super Bowl champion, president and founder of G3 Sports. Carl, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Joel Payne. He's a podcast host of Here Comes the Pain and also a public relations expert. Joel, great to have you with us. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Sean Prez. He's a motivational speaker and marketing expert. Prez, great to have you with us again. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, Carl, in terms of different sports having different standards for what they will allow in terms of athletes' activities off the field or off the court, are there differences? I don't think there's differences in what they allow. I think there's differences in what's expected. Um, If you take uh, the NFL, for instance, they've been conditioned, fans have been conditioned, media has been conditioned to root for the laundry because players wear helmets and they just want to root for the team. They want you to root for the team. So any um, self-expression beyond what they consider acceptable is frowned upon. And what comes to mind right away is a guy like um, Cam Newton, who who dabbed his way into the Super Bowl, into the consciousness of, of the, the NFL fan some loved it, some hated it. He went through a, uh, a injury field season last year, and he wasn't picked up by anyone until the New England Patriots did it 90 days into free agency, and they paid him a little bit of nothing, where even at his injured state, he's worth more than some of the backup quarterbacks in the league. But then, you know, as you listen, well, how's he going to fit? in the New England Patriots system. You know, he's too flamboyant. He likes to do the Superman. Well, you contrast that with the uh, the allowance of self-expression in individual sports or in sports that doesn't wear helmets, like in the NBA. You know, those guys make a shot, they shimmy, they, they do whatever. They Megatron, whatever <laughs> they want to do. Um, and fans love it because they're conditioned to the self-expression in that sport. Uh, baseball, there's just not a lot of it. Everything's frowned upon. If you flip a bat, it's frowned upon. But there's just not a great deal of diversity on the baseball side in terms of how guys express themselves. And, and hockey is another sport where, you know, I guess self-expression is fighting, but they wear helmets. You don't identify with the face or the style or the swag of a hockey player. So football, you see players are starting to break out of that mold. And, and even the, the league is starting to promote a little bit more of the whole runway into the stadium and how guys are dressing. But the overall expectation is that you can't express yourself too much or else it's going to be frowned upon. And, and, dis- and distract from the whole team. Press, what about individual individual athletes? I think, I think like a Tiger Woods. I think of a uh, Venus Williams, like the tremendous – just her tremendous achievements as a tennis player and also in the whole body conscious movement and love yourself type of movement for women and her marketing. What do you think of that? Well, I love her marketing. First and foremost, 
you know, we're talking about some of the greats, right? Um, listening to what Carl was just saying in terms of expression. When you are top of your game, when you're the best that ever did it, I don't care if you play football, hockey, or whatever, the league is not going to come down but so hard on you because you bring in the dollars, you bring in the fans, you bring in the sponsorship. So going back to Muhammad Ali, he was champion when he decided to step up, do what he did. Jim Brown, um, John Carlos, as, as and Tommy Smith, as um, Joel just mentioned, you talk about somebody like a Serena. I love Serena, but she's arguably not the best female tennis player to ever play the game. She's probably the best athlete to ever play sports. You know, she has so many accomplishments. And I love what she's doing with Nike, where she is allowing her celebrity and her um, her platform to highlight feminism and, and really focus on body and self-consciousness. And Nike has embraced that as they have embraced so many other um, athletes in the prime of their careers and, and really tackled some really uh, uh, controversial issues. I think back now to when Charles, Charles Barkley, 1993, he had the, the um, I am not a role model commercial, very controversial at the time, but he was also top of his career. So I think that whether, you know, these athletes are, are controversial in their stance, as long as they're at the top of their game, the league is not going to push back, but so much on them and corporate will get behind them. Well, there's, there's a difference. And I think Joe can explain the perception becoming reality aspect of it. Nike can be courageous because everybody wears shoes and not one. There's not a monolith of who wears a Nike and who doesn't, they want everybody to wear the shoes. So they want the guy who's not a role model as well as the role model. But, Last year, Lamar Jackson from the um, Baltimore Ravens, MVP of the league, the darling of the league, right? But I've had uh, marketing executives whisper, you notice why he doesn't get any national commercials? Because he wears those cornrows and Afro puffs. They wouldn't say it out loud, but then you think about it and you say, well, he doesn't have a lot of, I don't know if it's on its own. He's a genuinely great kid, but the perception of what, you know, that may mean or people who want to write that narrative, it becomes reality in corporate America. And I don't know if his agent is holding him back from some things, but people are saying these things. I can tell you, and I'm sorry to cut in here, Carl, just from um, being a marketing executive for so many years, Alan Iverson wore Cornrows had tattoos, and he had a way before, the, way before it was like the big trend, and you saw everybody doing but it. Let's yeah. let's 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 take let's take the shoe companies out of it, because everyone wants to wear the shoe. That 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 relates to everything. But I'm and and again, this is when and I, I I'm. Asking Joe to kind of talk a little bit about perception and reality, how people can shape a narrative about someone. Yeah. And people would, some people would tend to stay away. Other brands that are courageous to say, we're going to embrace this because it's good for us, it's good for our communities, or it's good for our brand. But other brands will say, mm, not you quite. Know what, you know what I also see here too is I think these leagues um, have started to realize 
the centrality of the black community within their products, right? And so the NFL, what moved Roger Goodell to come out and say Black Lives Matter? It was when all his star black players got on a video and said, right, we're right. not doing, we're essentially with their actions, we're not moving another inch until you acknowledge this. And who was it? It was the quarterbacks who are now, Carl, back in the day you played, it was only like Randall Cunningham and Warren Moon. Yeah. Now, the best quarterbacks in the league are Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton. You got Saquon Barkley. You got Odell Beckham. You have those folks who are the faces of the league because of the centrality of the black community to the success of the league. And so the leagues have been compelled to move further towards the causes that they know that their players support because they understand that those players represent communities that are so central to the success of their businesses. Carl, what about the, also, you just, you know, you're a businessman as well. You look at the, you look at the numbers. Um, America is still a majority white population, but the hip hop culture, black culture, driver sports, driver entertainment, driver fashion. We have many more, many more families that are, are racially and ethnically mixed. We have young people, thank God, that are much more diverse than their friends and where they and choosing to where they live and, and that type of thing. But in terms of the from the corporate standpoint, do these are they still cons- are, in other words, has has the corporate thinking caught up with where our country really is now? In some regards, yes. Uh, some some companies are very progressive. Um, but it it when we talk about where our country is. And, and where corporate America is, it's about are they being inclusive, not just selling products to a diverse customer base, but does your your patterns and practices reflect the efforts that you you are are, are putting out in the community? So, uh, saying, have you looked at where your corporate management uh, hierarchy is? Do you have the right people of color? Are you even extending opportunities for those of color? who may be equal to their counterpart, do they get the opportunity to be a part of management at that level also? And Pres, what about that? Because is there, is there a danger that this, this awareness of social injustices, that this new, this what I, I call the great awakening that, that the country has been going through and, and realizations that, it's just beca- that it just becomes like marketing slogans and not real change like Carl was talking about? Um, there's a slight danger, but truth of the matter is, I don't care how it gets out there. Get it out there. People need to continue to push the issues that they believe in. People need to continue to bring light to these social injustices that have been happening within our community for centuries. I love what Carl just said, and I want to go back for a second because I think it's important it's not just about corporations um, doing things for the fans. It's also in-house. How many of these huge corporations are underrepresented, uh, underrepresented with African-American and brown people internally? How many of them are represented in terms of management and have these upper management positions? So I think, yes, on one hand, it's great to, to say we support Black Lives Matter, but show it. Allow people internally to move up the corporate ladder. And it comes with a different vantage point because- Behind the scenes, behind the scenes there. Carl, Carl what, what about that in terms of, 
I mean, I heard of the Rooney Rule. They're uh, Beverly Johnson, supermodel Beverly Johnson. I just interviewed her recently. She's trying to get that in the fashion industry for different fashion companies. Where do you think all of this is going in, ter in terms of diversity that, that really means something and, and makes a, a systemic difference? Well, diversity in, on the NFL level, at the team level, you'll see some black coaches, but you have to look in the front office. And the, the NFL will say, well, we're a little different model because we are a family first, friends of the family first, friends of friends of the family. So when you look in some of these areas, and some, some teams have now evolved into a more corporate model, and you'll see a diverse mix. But the old school thinking was that it's going to be, it's my business, my son's going to run it after me, his friends who he went to college with is going to be a part of this, and his friends' friends by way of recommendation. But we may put a few coaches in there. We'll have a head coach, and we may have a black general manager in, in some rare cases, but when you look at the front offices, they are family-run business, and they are family and friends of the family. And then you go through and see, and they, some of these people, they leave when the old furniture leaves. They stay there forever. So it's, you know, so it's... Hey, Joel, Joel, go ahead. Yeah, one thing I was going to say, too, is that something that I'm encouraged by is I'm seeing that these athletes are really starting to understand their power in true ways. And, and you know, I'll use Kyrie Irving as an example, and I know he kind of gets beat up on a little bit. Uh, he kind of tried to uh, put the put the brakes on the NBA restart. But what he did is force the conversation around how are we spending our resources and our money internally when they go to Walt Disney to do the restart in the bubble? Who's going to be um, what? Where are you going to invest for food services? Are you going to invest in the big, um, big brand companies? Or are you going to invest in African-American owned small businesses, which I understand that they are? Um, who are you going to? You know, what are you going to allow to be on the court? What are you going to allow to be on the back of the jerseys? What are some of the business partnerships? So using their power in that, re that way, understanding their leverage in a real way is something that we should all be very encouraged by because it shows a real transition and understanding. It's not just about how much money you can make, it's how much money you can move. Exactly. Well, on that note, I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Carl Banks, great to have you with us on the show. Thank you. John Press, thanks so much for making time for us. And Joel Payne, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. And thank you for joining us. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.